my name is Cameron Milne and you're listening to Silent Studios, the podcast that gives an insight into the creative methods behind musicians, producers and audio engineers alike and how these original techniques are applied to a project of their own. Brothers Louis and Ollie Limeback, better known as Lime Cordial, have been writing and performing music since high school. Since then, they have performed at Bluesfest, Homebake, South by Southwest, and toured across America's North. Drawing influences from the Beach Boys all the way to the Strokes, Lime Cordial have discovered a sound of their own, and this sound runs deep through their debut album, Permanent Vacation. We're Lime Cordial, my name's Ollie, and this is my little brother Louis. Hello. The band's pretty much Louis and myself, and we've had kind of a bit of a range of musicians in the band. Our drummer is still with us, James, but at the moment we're playing with a with a band that's sort of six months old. We've kind of never really let anything get in our way, and you know, to a certain extent, if there's a festival going on or something like that, and one of the guys in the band's got another gig or a wedding to go to or something like that, we we've never really wanted to, you know, cancel a gig for that guy. I think that sort of comes from probably me playing in like silly bands in high school when like the bass player just won't do a gig because he's just had a fight with his girlfriend or the band breaks up and he's like oh you can't keep the the band name because I'm not in it anymore it's like (laughs) we kind of felt like being a band with just two brothers is sort of easier it's sort of like a fresh sound when you get someone new to the band it's like you get a new trombone player or a new guitarist or new keys player they've all got different feels and different ideas definitely does keep the the vibe fresh. I think our last keyboard player was, was a, such a loose guy. He was an amazing player, but this is just like never could get onto him. Like pick him up, pull him out of bed before going down to Melbourne, forget about shows. It's mm. like be so high or something. Just Yeah, it does keep it fresh, but I don't want, you know, it's not it's not for any reason. We don't get sick of people and then just kick him out yeah. necessarily. It's just like the way people get busy and people get over being in bands. For some reason, we still love doing it. In the beginning, the brothers mainly wrote and performed acoustically. The need to change things up in terms of equipment came about when they started to play the bigger gigs. With this new gear came new inspiration, and in turn this allowed them to spread their wings creatively. Our style has sort of been a natural progression from when we started. We started off with two acoustic guitars and then grew from there as, the, as like the venues got bigger and the crowds got drunker. We had to kind of turn it up and, and do certain things. But I think we often say element of soul influences and uh, 60s influences and things like that. But It's just a lot of influences. Yeah. <laughs> probably too many. As time's going on, we're probably getting more interested in you know, modern production techniques and even more synthetic things rather than when, when we first started, we felt like everything just had to be an acoustic guitar and voices or, mm. you know, weren't allowed to edit anything on the computer. It had to be completely natural. I, mean, I didn't even use guitar pedals at the start or anything like that. So we're just getting more interested in, in production as a whole. Well, I play the trumpet, Ollie plays the clarinet, bass clarinet, sax, flute, like running horns and brass and stuff through. The last album we did, we ran a whole clarinet ensemble sort of thing through just auto-tune. We kind of were inspired by like a Bon I think it was the new Bon album, yeah? He's kind of auto-tuned saxophone and he's got this sort of harmonizer going and we're trying to figure out what the hell is going on there.
found this app, which was like this auto-tune harmonizer. And I just played like a couple of notes on a bass clarinet, a couple of notes on a saxophone, a couple of notes on a normal clarinet. And then suddenly you can just play it all on a MIDI keyboard. You know, suddenly you're turning something like a clarinet that's pretty, well, I was going to say stock standard, but like you don't, you don't hear that in, in modern music much. So first of all, it's like to a lot of people, that's a, a sound that they're not hearing that often. You know, they might be more used to hearing a, a prophet or something like that, you know. So suddenly you've got this clarinet texture and you're playing it like a synthesizer. You've just got a sound that's hundreds of years older than a, any sort of synth, but you're using it like a synth. It's kind of a pretty interesting way of going about it. A lot of artists can get bogged down in the processes or methods that may have worked for tracks in the past, but don't necessarily apply to the project at hand. Ollie and Louie like to keep things open when writing, as this does not limit them to any one path. It's kind of different every time. For me, Louie, I think I like start with a melody, so I just I spend so much time driving to work in my car, so I just put my phone on record and just sing a cappella stuff and then use those recordings and try and put some chords underneath. Yeah, I find that's a really good way of doing it, I reckon. Like, it's not the way I always do it or we always do it, really, but I think when you start with a melody, you're, you're starting with something that you feel is really, is really strong and you're moulding the music around that. I think that's pretty sensible way of doing it. I, I don't understand how people can have a kind of a formula to writing music. Sometimes you sit down at an old piano and it just has a sound that you've never really heard before and so three chords on that piano can sound amazing whereas if you if you sat down at like a just using the the logic grand piano that you've heard a million times before like that's not gonna that's not gonna give you a buzz. Starting off with a melody like that is is I always forget that and you just reminded me of it but that's like that's a <laughs> I think that's a really good way to start writing a song. Go write a song too. Especially if you've got a lyric to it as well. Mm-hmm. Lyrics can often be left to the last minute. You know, sometimes we've, we've even played live gigs and, and mumbled lyrics because we didn't have them locked in yet. Yeah, definitely. So, um, but if, if you've got a strong lyric from the start and, and, and mold everything around that, it's a, it's a good way to go, I reckon. Knowing where to find inspiration is never an easy task, although being able to harness that inspiration without distraction can be even harder. The brothers share some of their favourite methods for finding inspiration. Inspiration's a big thing. I like having Spotify kind of open when I'm you know, mucking around because sometimes your, your sound can just get a bit stale listening to songs that you love, not because you want to clone it, but just like get a bit of a, a kick of something else and then hear something different, get your song out of your head and then and kind of go back to it. Yeah, to kind of contradict that, it's kind of, I was trying to write a song two days ago and I had these like three songs that I was so in love with that I was trying to, in, was inspired by to write this song and it was just too much. Like I kept 
kept going from one to the next to the next and it was just too much and I had to like stop listening to these songs and just like let them sink in and forget about them fuck I want it to sound like that but it's not sounding like that and then environment's a big thing as well I mean environment's like I mean there's a farm that we tend to go to every every Christmas holidays with our parents and it's like super relaxing out of reception you know not having the phone distractions huge obviously you know if you if you're worried about the relationship with someone over emails at the time of trying to write a song it can be pretty pretty disturbing and yesterday I was trying to write a song and um just was trying so hard to just get all that shit out of my head you know closing everything or you know my phone ran out of battery which is a fantastic thing but yeah all those distractions suck setting out with a goal seems like a sensible idea when working on a project although sometimes this can be limiting trusting in the creative process and permitting the track to evolve naturally can be just as important as aiming for a goal I think with this a set goal, I think mine is pretty simple. It's just like I'm going to write an upbeat song or I'm going to write a dark song or I'm going to write like a pop tune or like a single tune. But they kind of always just slow down and become dark with me. I, just, I don't know why. I tend to write slow, dark songs. It's kind of annoying. But, yeah, that that's kind of as far as I'll go with a goal. Just write like a, a poppier tune or like a slow ballad. It's interesting how quickly it can morph though, hey? Like you start off with a couple of chords that you think is going to be a real slow ballad and then suddenly you just start humming more of this upbeat, rappy melody and you're like, oh, shit, you'd bump the BPM up a little bit and you're like, oh, okay, okay, wasn't expecting this, but it's working. Work through it. track's called Other Way Round. It's on our new album, Permanent Vacation, produced by Dave Hammer, who produced the whole album. It's it's quite a few years old. I was just looking through the demos, and I, I think the first demo of this song was like the end of 2015, and we recorded it towards the beginning of this year, 2017. I was doing the music for a mini-series that Matilda Brown directed and, and wrote, who's a really good family friend of ours. And I was... It, I mean, sometimes I slide a few Lime Cordial tracks in there, here or there. This one, it sort of became the theme of the of the series. The series is called Let's Talk About, and it's got Matilda in it and her dad, Brian Brown. And this song was originally called Ben's Song because that's the, the character that it was kind of written for and he's just, like, out of luck and everything's gone to shit I guess he feels like his whole world's flipped upside down it was pretty much just the first verse and the lyrics were slightly different but just sort of liked the song so even after the music was all finished we, we just sort of kept working on the song until it became this song now which is quite a bit of a bit of a change I'm 
The bridge of this song, you gotta love. I mean, I love it. It took us a while to figure this thing out. I, I don't know. I love the guitar at the start, sort of like it's quite a change from the original song that Ollie wrote for Matilda's film. It kind of has this strokesy guitar at the start, and then and then the bridge is I don't know. It's just great. It's kind of this Beach Boysy acapella. We, well, we wrote this big kind of this big bridge. It's kind of it just always felt Beach Boysy in a way, and we brought this to Dave Hammer. Well, when we when we first met Dave Hammer, he like I think the common ground that we had was that we both really loved the Beatles, and then um, he would you know tell us so much about Phil Spector because he just knows so much about the Beatles. So we'd always be quizzing him on it, and then when we brought him this song, there was this bridge that was a um, bit of a breakdown, and we just I think we kind of expected that he was just going to chop it in half and like make this song three and a half minutes, which is you know producers just tend to do that, and you're always sort of fighting that. But he was like, oh fuck yeah, and and, and really wanted to elaborate on this thing so we worked hard and made this bridge a real vocal moment Beach Boys inspired and yeah we've got the stems you know we love listening to just as it is a cappella. It's funny watching Dave like go crazy over drum fills, or like like there's a drum fill in this coming up, and he just he's like he mimes it every time. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. mimes it every single time he comes up when we're playing it back. He's like a little kid. He's so passionate. That, that little bit before, he, Dave loved that. We came in the studio one morning, he's like, check this shit out. And he's like, what is it called? Sibilance, when your lyrics match up with the, with the music and you, and you play off that. He kind of flipped the groove around because I say other way around and as, as I have that, the groove sort of flips around. And I'm still hoping it's the other way Rather than that, I don't think anyone would ever have noticed that. <laughs> Sibilance. Fuzz guitar. I can't remember. I feel like it was probably DI'd. Once, once you've chosen a good fuzz pedal, just DI'ing it just sounds great. It's kind of got this cleanliness to it as well as being real fuzzy and gritty. Fuzz guitar and Barry sax just, I don't know what it is, but they, they just match up so well. Now this is Ollie, he is frothing yeah. out that he played this bit. I practiced this all night just to make sure, you know. Dave was like, you just play it, man. Let's not, we don't have to rely on keys players. You just play it. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, I'll practice it tonight. I was seriously up for like four hours just, I, I, I want to be able to, you know, smash this part. He doesn't know this, but we just quantized the shit out of it. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure we didn't. You dogs. It's going behind his back. That piano was kind of a late addition. There was something about the chorus that just wasn't 100% gelling. Those hits are really cool, but I don't know, it's, they're like sort of quaver pianos, just really, you know, it's cheesy. Dri- driving cheesy good. force. Good cheesy. 
this piano here, Louis wrote this. You know, we tend to kind of have like a song and then I might go to bed early or be doing something else that day and, and one of us will open up a session and without the other person knowing, kind of be working on it. So I came in one day and like, was like, oh shit, the, the whole session's been worked on and Louis had done this, this piano part, which is cool. And then I think I then did the that, that lead vocal line yeah. over the top of it. Another late night, probably went to bed early then. Well, the song, like, the song was originally written for that TV series about a guy down in his luck, and I guess it's got anxiety all through there. I'd gone on, like, a birthday weekend. I was invited by this guy who was in a, another, I guess, fairly successful band. Pretty was pretty stoked to go. I was up in, like, the Blue Mountains for, like, three days or something like that, and like, the guy was pretty strange, like, really dominant. You know, he's the lead singer of another band, so I felt like there's this kind of... I sometimes call it, like, a lead singer-itis. So the thing, like, I feel like there's some people that, like, oh, if you're a singer and I'm a singer, like, your band versus my band or something like that, that might all be in my head. Anyway, the weekend was kind of strange of, like, him showing off to all his friends. Like, he had his drum kit and a whole band set up there and, like, it was the weekend was just us, like, watching him play music and if I picked up a bass guitar, he'd be like, nah, bro, like, you don't have the groove, give it to this guy over here. And I'd be like, okay, whatever, mate. And, like, he'd kind of always be putting you down in little ways. So came away from that weekend back home and I was like, oh, that's really weird. Like I'm a pretty confident person and like I just really didn't have a handle on myself on that weekend. Like there was no way of getting out of these weird social situations. Like I just super felt submissive and this guy was really dominant over me, but like in a wanky way. So I kind of came back and had this song open, which I only had lyrics that related to some character in a, in a little TV series. Yeah, kind of wrote it about that. You know, the I'll sit and stare thing was just, you know, halfway through that weekend, I was like, oh, whatever, I'm not going to really try too hard. I'll just sit back and, like, you can do your thing and, you know, these are your friends anyway. It's your birthday weekend, man. You can just, I'll let you show off and do your thing. So the I'll sit and stare, that's what that's about. The, I want to be like you in every way. There's a slight bit of sarcasm in that. Also, he's a really talented musician, so <laughs> there's a little bit of truth in there as well. I actually had a great time, but just found the hole. It was kind of like I was invited on the birthday weekend to be put down and put in my place. <laughs> really strange. I love hearing this story. I'm not affected by it, so I just love hearing the story. We wrote the song at our parents' house in Avalanche where we were living at the time when we kind of put the whole song together. Then we did a, a trip over to the, the States and this this guy that we kind of befriended was like, oh, I could, you know, I could produce this song up for you. So we spent a day with him and he like flipped the song around and made it like super fast and Motown. It's the other way around. 
I know, it was kind of cool, pretty into it, but it was a really different vibe to the original. Complete opposite, a lot faster. And it had, yeah, this this really hard Motown groove. Mm. And we, we then got home from the States and, and we're like, oh, well, you know, if this guy reckons that's the way to go, then maybe this, like, upbeat Motown thing, you know, works. Then we tried to, like, slow it down and sort of bring it back to what we had, but with the same drum groove, then It's weird how something like that can really screw you over. Like, you got this song you like and someone says it should be like this, but you don't like it, but you kind of respect their opinions. So you're like, oh, it kind of sucks. But if he reckons it's good, then maybe I'm wrong. I, I think when we took it to Dave Hammer, who produced it, like, we, I think we probably brought him, like, well, at least the, the two different demos that we that we had. And he kind of ended up going with, with the original. Thank God. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I listened to that this morning. It's fucking weird. They say it goes down If you want it too much They try and be self when it's Out of touch Told you to tell me Socially pleased With so much This is at Deaf Wolf in Redfern We produced this and mixed this song All in this tiny room it's the, it's the room that Dave built himself. He doesn't own it anymore, but we recorded it there, so he knows the room inside out, which is nice. He wanted to go somewhere else, but, like, well, he wanted to go somewhere else, which would have been nice, mm. and especially nice for him, but, like, we knew that he knew the room so well, so it's like there'd just be no fucking around and, like, he could just achieve exactly what we'd all want. Like avocado and toast. Thank you for listening to Silent Studios. I'm Cameron Mill. For more information on this artist or any of the artists featured on Silent Studios, please visit silentstudios.com.au. Silent Studios.